0: Y'all. How's it going? Welcome to 2024. I hope it's been good to you so far. My name is Clay, and this is the Enneagram Prison Project podcast. In this episode, I sit down for a conversation with epp guide jan shegda this episode is going to be quite lengthy it already is quite lengthy i think actually i don't know the words to say there to preface it but i'll just say that i'm not going to say a lot here because we cover a whole lot in the next couple of hours i really enjoyed sitting down with jan she's one of my favorite people to talk to I find her thoughts to be interesting, and she asks all the fun questions as well. So it really makes for a fun conversation. I hope you like it. I certainly did. And we're glad you're here. Thanks for listening. This is the Enneagram Prison Project Podcast.
1: Jan Shegda. I'm a lover and a fighter, and I'm here doing a podcast for EPP.
0: And we are in San Diego right now. Neither of us live here. You live closer to here than I do. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're here for a program that we were doing this last week. And that we're, right now, it's the weekend between two different two day chunks. That probably doesn't make sense. Doesn't matter. We're at the Airbnb, chilling at the kitchen table, uh, and just chatting. And I asked you, um, is it two or three weeks ago? Because obviously I knew that we would both be here for the for the course. And I asked, hey, would you be down to da, 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 you know sit down and do a podcast? And you said, yeah, of course. And first of all, do you regret saying yes?
1: <laughs> I I'm not gonna lie. I've had some moments of like, what the hell am I gonna talk about? And we'll find out.
0: Do you have any topics or anything um, that jump out that you want to start with?
1: I don't, but let me just take a minute and think a
2: little deeper. I don't. I'm I'm almost glad because I get to say that this
0: is a process I've seen you do. And so I can talk about what you just did where you say, let me pause and just think and consider. And I've seen you do this in a lot of different venues. I've seen you do it on zoom in a circle meeting or whatever. I've seen you do it in classes. Uh, I've seen you do it in class in prison, like as recently as Thursday. Um, And I saw you do it just now. And I, and I, I appreciate the pause and the, whatever that process is that happens where you go, just hang on a second. And then the hang happens. And then oftentimes something comes up and then in this case, nothing. So I get to put that in. Um, where how, A, where did you learn that? How long has that been a part of your life? And what exactly happens when you take that pause and a moment of silence to to, con- to consider options and then choose if any show up?
1: I think I noticed it first from Vipa Goslin, one of our faculty members who I noticed in meetings, Vibha will say something which almost always is very deep, impactful and gets just to the heart of whatever we're talking about. And I will think that she's finished. And so I'll jump into if I'm facilitating to say something or to reflect back. And as soon as I open my mouth, she'll say something else That was an additional like crystallization of what she was sharing before, but she just did this three or five second pause. And I thought about that and I was like, Oh, it's like part of her process to do that. And maybe I could do it too. And so I started trying it out and realized, Hey, this actually is really helpful for me because often whatever I'm going to say is automatic or the first thing coming to mind or let's say it's coming from my brain and not my heart or vice versa um actually i, I don't want, i wouldn't want to say that i don't want to shit on the brain it's not the brain's fault <laughs> just because it's the first thing doesn't mean it's the brain but more more to say like the auton the autonomic response automatic response and I want a little more space in my responses than just going with what the automatic response is. So I've been integrating that pause.
0: When she does that, does she does she announce it or is it just a thing that you have to know by knowing her?
1: No, it surprised the hell out of me a few times. And, <laughs> <laughs> and I felt really bad because I, I literally would just, you know, to me, it felt like I was jumping down her throat. Yeah. Um, Immediately as I had when I had a second to jump in, but yeah, so I didn't I didn't see it coming until getting to know Vipa more.
0: And that's you know over the course of life, I would I would imagine that that experience was a fairly recent one. How how long ago? Um, I don't know how long you've known Vipa, but I would assume that that may have been in the last couple of years or so.
1: Yeah, I bet it was a year ago.
0: Yeah, that's cool. I've seen it. I've 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 seen probably. Since you've started doing that, that's probably how often I've seen that, which is kind of neat. I'm curious. Um, I wish she was here to ask this because I, I would want to know how. Maybe I'll talk to her. I wanna, I, wanna, I wonder how that is for her. And does she uh, and, and what was her response? Did she just sit back um, and wait for another spot? Or did she just talk over whoever interrupted her or like what was her? I want to know her part of the story. I guess is what I'm asking. Mm,
1: I do too. I do too. You should definitely do that. But I can say from my point of view, she just said what she had to say, regardless of whether someone was full on into their next sentence or, and I really actually appreciate that in particular from, from a nine knowing that that's not uh, natural or it's my assumption that it's not natural.
0: What I know about type nine and actually one of my favorite examples of a type nine uh, story with her being in, on the train and someone stepping on her toe and just wait. She didn't respond. She just wait. So what I know about her from that, it sounds interesting to to know that she would just kind of keep talking.
1: Mm-hmm. It. I get the sense that in those moments, she is serving a higher purpose and knows that there's something that needs to flow through her. And so nothing else matters. That's the impression I get. And I respect that.
0: It, it's a, it's, I love, I love seeing you do that. I wish, I wish, wish that I, 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 I may try to implement that in my own life because I, I feel like it really adds a lot um, to the experience of whatever you're doing, whether it's a meeting or a course or a, a class of some kind or whatever, it feels like it, it, it feels like it's, it feels like it's worth adding. It feels like things come after that, that wouldn't have come otherwise. So.
1: Absolutely. Every time. And even if like just before, if it's the same answer, it comes from a different place. And what I've realized is it really gives me that moment of space to tap into other parts of myself that maybe wouldn't ordinarily be heard in response to that question or whatever I'm talking about. And it gives me a moment to tap into my spiritual guidance. And um, so ultimately helps me to feel more whole and grounded and powerful with whatever I'm sharing.
0: Do people jump in there when you do it? Do people interrupt or if you say, let me think about that for a minute and then they try to finish your sentence or do people mostly respect that?
1: I don't remember that happening. It may have once or twice, but it kind of doesn't even phase me if it does. I think I'm pretty consistent with announcing what's going to happen. Like I'm going to just take a minute and check in here. And I say that, I think because it means like, leave me the fuck alone and give me five seconds and people usually, usually get the idea. Um, It's pretty clear.
0: Like there's there's not a whole lot of, of at least for me, Uh, should I say something now? Like it's, I like the, I like the announcement. It's cool. And, and also it, it, uh, it has a bit of a, Oh, what's the word? I don't have a fancy enough vocabulary. I need to work on that. It's, Like, I'm on the edge of my seat a little bit. Like, ooh, what's this? What's happening? Um, Can we talk about why we're in San Diego?
1: Sure. Is that, so, I don't know your podcast cues. Is that, Jan, talk about why we're in San Diego? No, I
0: just literally want to know if it's okay to talk about why we're here. And if you said no, I would go, well, count what you want to talk about? your zoom your favorite color I, we can talk about literally anything no there's no cues there's no tr- there's no sneaky like lead-ins or anything like that i'm literally asking permission to talk about what we're doing in san diego
1: yeah and i don't think he, i mean you can just go for it no cool. permission needed
0: um so we're here for another course at a local prison um that sometimes i name sometimes i don't the more vague i am about which prison it is the more i can say about the class i think and Um, I don't know. It's okay if we say where we are, but there's not a whole lot lot of persons around San Diego. Uh, We're here for a compressed schedule, four days, uh, Thursday, Friday, Monday, Tuesday. Um, And I don't know if you said this or included this as part of your introduction, but what, um, what do you do for EPP? Or what do you do that is related to why we're here, I should say?
1: I am guiding in the course with Laura Hooper our program manager um, who's also a guide and it's the two of us and Clay is here as the ambassador. And we also had Troy Phillips here for the first two days who is an ambassador also, but it was his first time actually in a course um, doing the ambassador things as part of a course. So it's been, it's been really cool to have a bigger team than usual. And, um, and it's been just awesome to, To guide, specifically with Laura, but with everybody. I've been looking forward to it for a long time.
0: And it's not your first time at this prison either, right?
1: My first time at this prison was in 2019 for my apprenticeship after guide training program four.
0: That was a long time ago. It was. We're on nine now, maybe? Something
1: like that? Next year will be nine. Yeah, and that was the world before COVID, which seems like a totally different universe.
0: Yeah. So you did you did your apprenticeship here, and then you did another class last year, was it? That was a much yeah. different experience.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. How was it different for you?
0: I think, um, well, first of all, to I'm used to doing now after having been here half a dozen times this year. We do a lot of our classes in I don't even know if I can say the building, but basically it's it's a building designed for classes and when we were here for the, the three cohort week, um, two of our classes were in the rooms, like the physical makeup of the rooms was, was not ideal. They had these tables in the middle of the room that were anchored, these metal tables that are anchored down. So it was really hard to have like a circle around the room and the, like literally just the physical makeup of the room was less fun to me. Um, And also, uh, we had three cohorts going at once. So the bio-response process was insane. We had, maybe not insane, but it was bonkers. And it was just, it was everything that we do times three. And it felt very, um, it felt like a lot was getting done. And still great things happened. So it, it was cool. And, you know, at that Airbnb, there was like, eight or nine of us or whatever we had like the front house and the back house and apartments. And there was a lot of people staying there, which was pretty cool. Um, but also very, that was, that was a one of a kind experience, I guess. Um, and I think this year, the way that we've started doing it, that, that differs from that is it's, it's, it's been a smaller size class in a smaller room, uh, with fewer people and also, instead of doing like that was four days in a week, it was, it was four straight, you know, eight hour days or six hour days or whatever it was. And then we started on Monday, graduated on Friday. And, and actually one of those classes started on Monday, graduated Thursday uh, because someone had to, wasn't able to stay the whole week. So the way we do it now is a, is a lot more spread out. And even the course that we're doing right now, um, it, it was supposed to originally, it was supposed to be Thursday, Friday, of, of a week and then skip a week and then Thursday, Friday of another week. So they're, even though technically by the hour, they're same, they're the same in terms of like length or size or whatever you want to say. But having that space is a big deal. Or even like this weekend we had a Thursday, Friday, and then we have a whole weekend off and then we go back for Monday, Tuesday. So that there's something about the space in between that I think really adds to um, being able to soak in everything that's happened, not just for the participants, but, for, you know, like us being able to just chill out. Like it's neat to just hang out and do puzzles or, you know, order Chipotle or whatever, whatever, we just hang out and sit and chat. I think that adds to the ability for the class to be a good, good class. So I like it a lot more that way. And I will say yes to the four straight days every time. If the, if it's, if, it, if the options are, that or nothing i'll pick that over nothing every time and then i also enjoy this much more spreading it out a little bit have a little bit of space
1: it is nice to have a little chill yeah so
0: we're here you mentioned laura uh troy was here for the first couple of days and then the next two days were kind of makeup so some of the plans got altered a little bit um what is it about guiding um I don't know. I'll just, it's a simple question, but maybe not a simple answer. Why do you do it? What, do you, what are you in it
2: for? Hmm. Is that an okay question? Or is that too mm-hmm.
0: sharp and to the point?
1: <laughs> no, I'm just wanting to give the most accurate answer there is. Which is complicated because as a social instinct person, there are many, many reasons Um, one is of course, for I want the participants to have the experience of going through a course and the more guides we have, the more participants we can have for myself. I want to be a guide because it's, it changes me. It's not just the participants that are growing. I'm growing all the time. Um, in the first day of our course this week, I was facilitating a a piece in our module two about trauma and had some of my own trauma come up and had to work with it, had to worked with it real time in front of the class in a way that was very uncomfortable. But um, I heard later from some of the people that was really powerful and really drove it home in a different way than it would have. And of course I, I would never choose to, you know, relive a traumatic experience in front of a bunch of strangers and kind of model how hard it is to work through that or find a sense of peace or regulation in your body. But guiding gives me the opportunity to do things like that. And then there's other things like EPP is an organization I really believe in and so I want to support the mission. And then part of my work with EPP is working with others who are along the, who are along the guide path. And so, to be able to do that effectively, it helps to know about it from all angles. So there's more reasons than that, but that's the first few.
0: I, I, so the experience that you're talking about, the 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 what was said after what was I might be paraphrasing. I wish I could quote it verbatim because it was really good. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was a great example of why we say guide instead of teacher, because you were you were not directly um, instructing people on how to deal with the shit as it comes along. And that's my word, by the way. So nobody else calls it, called it that, but that's my paraphrase. And what, and what the feedback was basically you showed me that that's possible that, that you showed me that a thing can happen. And I think that is so much bigger than instructing people with facts and, as a head type, someone who particularly enjoys facts and information and data and all this stuff, I think there is really something to being a participant in class and watching you, the you know the guide, um, clearly experience something and and work through it. And I find it um, really amazing. Is the, is the only word that's coming to mind. It's quite impressive um, to to be able to witness all that. And it's not fun, it's not what you ask for, as you said. it's not um gee, I'm glad that happened it's and so I don't want to paint it that way because it's clearly not any of that, at least that's not how I experienced it. I won't speak for you. <laughs> I feel okay that I'm pretty close to what's true there <laughs> as I get two thumbs up <laughs> um but it's so it is so um valuable, and I remember. I remember being the student in class and we stay, we say participant now and that was long enough ago. I'll say student. Cause I feel like I was a student in class and watching, um, just watching that experience of like, this is a thing that can happen. I can add this to my life and how, how the participants in class translate that and implement it in their own life. Who knows? We'll find out as time goes on. But I find that quite commendable that in a place where you could literally say pass, or I don't want to go there, or we don't have time for that, or any other thing that might still be true,
2: um, you chose to go with it. And it's a big deal. Thank you.
1: It is a big deal. It felt like a big deal at the time. And, and even now, and it brought up a lot of type-related things I had to deal with, of course, like being a, being a heart type and Um, the embarrassment of how I'm presenting myself. And mm, so there are a lot of triggers after the fact also, just even separate from the trauma to sort through. But it's one of the things I love about guiding and about EPP that it's not, as you said, it's not about teaching the content or just understanding the concepts. It's about embodying them, living them, figuring out what does this actually mean though?
0: How you mentioned type, I don't remember if you said earlier. I feel like you might not have, but I could have missed it too. Are you okay saying your type? Type four. How did you, um, how long have you been knowing about this here Enneagram thing? And then also, how did you find your type?
1: I've known about the Enneagram for about 20 years. Um, I found my type because I was in a class with someone not related to, well, just a psychology class basically. And I was really into the Myers-Briggs at the time and met somebody in class. And, was, and they were like, oh, I, I'm into this Enneagram thing. It's so great. And I said, well, it can't be as good as the MBTI because the MBTI is amazing. <laughs> yeah, Says, you know, I don't know, 23-year-old Jan. And so we decided we were going to get up, um, get together for a coffee and swap systems and decide who was better. And yeah, I lost that bet almost immediately. I read just a short description of the types and then I took the wisdom of the Enneagram home that evening, read the chapter on type 4 and said, "Wow, this is me and I guess I can't blame my entire life on my parents."
0: <laughs> I I did not know. I this is news to me about Myers-Briggs. And I have um I don't know a lot about Myers-Briggs. I I know just enough can I ask a few questions about it? Sure. Because I know I know of at least one person who's familiar, who listens to the podcast. And um, I don't know, maybe just some comparisons between the, between the two. I know that is much more of a corporate tool, or I believe it is. Is that true? It's much more frequently used in the corporate world?
1: Yes, and especially, you know, maybe 20, 30 years ago is when it was big.
0: Is it not so big these days?
1: It's still used, but... You know, these things go in cycles, things get popular and fall out of favor. And everyone said the Myers-Briggs by now that's in a corporate environment at least once.
0: What are what what was that comparison like um, for you? And also, I don't know, maybe I guess I'm just curious how they look side by side where I have a very I'll just say it, I have a very negative bias for one of them <laughs> between Myers-Briggs and the Enneagram. And I really love and consider the other one to be a life-changing tool. I won't give it away and say which is which.
1: What could it be?
0: Um, I will say it's not the Myers Bricks Prison Project. There's right. a there's a small hint.
1: <laughs> that would be, that would be such a ridiculous thing. Oh my goodness!
0: We could do that. We could have like a oh. we can have like a funnierdie.com sketch or, or around that and just write the whole thing
1: and StrengthsFinder Prison Project.
0: Yeah. That's, that's, we're, we're there. We're halfway there with the name, but how, how how do they compare the Myers-Briggs and the Enneagram? What do they look like side by side?
1: Mm -hmm. So the Enneagram, as you mentioned, is deeper, more life-changing. It's more about like, why are you here on the planet? What's important to you to see in the world? And what is the, the way that you have most hurt yourself and held yourself back in life? So it's pretty deep. Myers-Briggs talks about your your basic psychological functioning, how you show up in a day-to-day environment. um, If anyone's familiar with our curriculum here that's listening, we talk about the origins of personality, and one of the origins of personality is what we call temperament, like how you just arrive on the planet, your preferences for being introverted or extroverted, how you process information, how you make decisions, a lot of those things would be considered to be inborn. And so we have both energies, but we just kind of lean one way or the other. And so if you find which way you lean on each of four preference pairs, pairs, then that gives you a four letter type such as ISTJ or ENFP. And it can actually, so another place of a comparison. Oh boy. I could talk about this for a long time because
0: can I tell you what, my, what I've been told my letters are? And then you make sense of that by comparison with my Enneagram type.
1: Okay, sure.
0: Is that a thing that can, is, do yeah, people do actually, that? Yeah, mm-hmm. actually. So I, I believe, if I'm remembering correctly, I believe that I was told that I am an INTJ. Does that jive with what you know about me?
1: It would be one of the types I would consider for you, along with ISTP and INTP. Oh, I And never ISFP. Heard
0: that. I'm down to hear about all of them. I, I I've never heard of any of the Ps. I don't. I've I've only heard. So so what so how okay so wherever you want to take this. How how does that how do those that or those compare with what I do know about type five?
1: So most of those actually would correlate with type five, meaning that a higher percentage of people that have those Myers Briggs types would also have um, identify as type five. than some of the others. Of course, correlation is not causation and it's not like a one-to-one relationship. So you can be any Myers-Briggs type and any Enneagram type. If you're interested in this, all you have to do is Google Enneagram and MBTI and you can see charts that give you the likelihood of being one or the other. Uh, for example, just off the top of my head um, type five, the Myers-Briggs types that are, that are most highly correlated with being type five would be um INTP, ISTP, and INTJ, I think, are the top three. At least they were the last time I looked at that research, but it's been a minute.
0: So INT in all three of those.
1: Um, yeah. ISTP is one of them.
0: Yeah. There's, a, there's the I's in all four of those. Or you mentioned three, I think, just
1: now? I mentioned three, yes. yes. Um, I and T
0: are in two of them. I, T, and P are in two or one or one and then the second letter changed a couple. I'm trying to remember without knowing jack shit about Myers Briggs. Uh, so what what are the differences between those here mm-hmm. on the Enneagram Prison Project where we're talking about <laughs> Myers Briggs? <laughs> it's worth knowing because I I I wish I could have this. Okay, I'll just tell you. This is how the conversation goes when I have it with someone. They why do you use Enneagram Myers Briggs? And what I say is, well, cause it's bullshit and this is what the Enneagram, blah, blah, blah. So I want to find a nicer way to say, well, actually, you know, I know that this says that, but and, you know, and I can't have that conversation because I have such a negative. Okay. I guess I gave it away. I'm not a big fan of, of, of Myers-Briggs, but I do, I do think that it has to make sense on some level. or has to have some logical connection. Like those have to mean something.
1: They have different purposes. For example, um, there's been pretty extensive career coaching data pulled and correlated with myers-briggs type so if you understand what your myers-briggs type is you can look at compiled research that tells you which careers um, job families and job titles would suit you best not just from you know some researchers point of view but from the from the mouths of other people with the same type as you gotcha. that's useful yeah. that's useful if you're looking at like what job should I do If you're trying to figure out your meaning and purpose in life and how to heal from your deepest childhood wounds, Myers-Briggs isn't going to do anything for you.
0: So if I've narrowed down my career choices to um, a software engineer or fighter pilot, INTJ would tell me software engineer.
1: Maybe? Mm, Yeah. Question Mm -hmm. mark? (laughs) I'm pretty sure. I'm trying to think of... So before, so I've had my own business for 14 years and I was a career coach using the Myers-Briggs, the Enneagram and StrengthsFinder. Yeah. Um, I still do it on the side just a little bit, but not that much anymore. And so well, I hope none
0: of your clients listen to me. <laughs> talk,
1: talk,
3: talk about the...
1: It's not a problem. Okay. It's not a problem. Um, but I'm trying to remember because I've, I've looked at those charts so many bajillion times. I think I definitely think that the engineer would be higher on the list, but I think transportation moving essentially is yeah. actually still one of the like what they call um best fit categories okay but maybe just not as high up on the list
0: what do they this is the last question i swear about my Briggs. what do the actual letters mean with i'll just stick with i n t j i believe i is introverted right
1: i is introverted yeah so like you mentioned that was one of in all of the three that i mentioned for type five so that just means that what we would expect most of the time is that most fives are introverted, but it's not always true. Like for yeah. example, um, I, I don't, don't
0: feel particularly introverted, frankly. Mm-hmm. Maybe I am. and I don't realize. Yeah. It,
1: but. Well, in your social instinct, right? Cause that, that can also impact things. Yeah. Um, I was just thinking whether I should out a fam- famous enneagram teacher and his Myers Briggs type, but I'm not going to. We do can that.
0: always bleep the name later if you want.
1: Okay. Well, I just I know a type five who um, is an INFP, which sometimes surprises people that you would be a feeling preference, like a very emotional mm-hmm. person and be a type five, but it, it definitely happens. Um, but the other ones that correlate most strongly would be thinking preference instead of feeling. So it's F or T. Okay. Thinking preference. So basically introverted and thinking preference are the ones that you would almost certainly expect to find with type five. And then the other two preference pairs are intuitive versus sensing about 75% of the U S population. It does vary by country, but about 75% of the U S population would fall into sensing, which is what can I see? Touch, taste, hear, smell. Yeah. And intuitive is, you know, what's beyond that. What's beyond the veil. And the last one judging versus perceiving how, how organized do I like my inner and outer worlds to be? Uh, people prefer judging, like things settled, ordered, and decided. People that prefer perceiving want more flexibility and possibility um, because they're inherently more creative. I probably would say that a little bit differently, but hopefully you get what I mean. <laughs> yeah. But they are. They're, they're more creative because they're looking for possibilities and how to combine and alchemize and uh, change things. And judges are looking to order things.
0: So that, that, i can i did not know any of that and definitely didn't know all of it I, that's so much it sounds so um it actually sounds quite hopeful if you have nothing if you have nothing if you have no tools or anything to consider that actually sounds quite useful maybe even i don't know maybe not um I said I wasn't going to ask any more questions about it, so I'm going to go by. I'm going to follow that and well, skip along. By the say, way, could you, can you bend the mic down like just a little bit to where sure. it's, should just there like we go? That. Yep, it's perfect.
1: I mean, to go along with what you're saying, I used to I used to say that the MBTI was the enneagram, the gateway drug to the enneagram.
0: So, the, and and I'll and I'll say I can say now that when I learned the enneagram, and I was in prison, and Susan, we called her the Enneagram Lady back then. There was no such thing as EPP. Um, they, after a couple of years, they canceled the Enneagram and brought in Myers-Briggs and it was an entrepreneurship program. It makes sense why they would do that back then. You know, this was 2012, 20, yeah, 20, early 2012, I believe. Um, and I like that thinking of it as the gateway drug to the Enneagram, cause I'm a am fa- in, I'm a fan of any, anybody finding their way to the Enneagram, um, no matter how that might be um so i want to go back a little bit before you mentioned 23-year-old 23-year-old jen earlier so like even a few years before that i i know a little bit but also i'm hearing a lot that you had quite an interest in i don't know if it's like human behavior or what category this all might fall under but you clearly have an interest in hu- human the human experience and i So so I'm curious where that came from and and where it's what I want to know all about that.
1: I think I've always been interested in why some people really thrive in life and why others have failure to thrive. And I wasn't satisfied with the answers that are just about like, you know, the family you come from or how much money you have or the opportunities you were given. Uh, And I wanted to understand more how people grow. And so that led me to study psychology and sociology. Um, I went down that pathway for a bit and actually quite a few different avenues before I ended up. uh, Well, I won't skip that far ahead. Um, Let's see. What else should I say about that? I think like a lot of people helpers or people that want to study psychology or similar fields, I also was drawn to it because I wanted to understand myself. I didn't... Probably like many fours, maybe every four on the planet. I don't know. Um, I didn't see examples of people that I wanted to become when I was growing up. And so it's like I didn't see someone to look up to who could help me know how to be me. But I was very clear that a lot of the guidance I was receiving was taking me the wrong direction. So I was looking everywhere I could to figure out how do I do justice to this part of me that wants to blossom and bloom and grow that no one else can even tell me what it is, much less how to let it do that.
0: What is it a frustrating thing to, to, to want, or I guess, as you said, it, you don't see anybody. And how I hear that is you didn't see anyone that you wanted to model your own life after, or, you know, I want to grow up to be dot, dot, dot. Um, is it a, I can see that for me being a very, like cerebral, um, like observation or even just a full experience in my mind of being like, well, I don't see it. And then that's kind of where I end with it. And I, I wonder, I suspect that's not, that's not how it was for you. I guess I'm wondering, is it, what do you make of that At, at a young age of going, I don't have this thing that people have. A lot of people have role models. I don't have one. And I know I'm filling in the blanks, things you didn't necessarily say, but that's how, that's how I hear that is, you know, it, so many kids talk about when I grow up, you know, and that's not, um, that didn't happen for you. So is it a, is it a, is it a, like a, like a mechanical, I'm doing this, I'm finding this, or is it, or what's the most, is there an emotional part of that or aspect of that?
1: I would say it was deeply emotional and very tied to the heart types, the heart center of the Enneagram. Um, there's no heart type in my family, and I think just that language is pretty foreign. So, um, and also just the subculture I grew up in was not very heart forward, I would say. So it's actually, you know, a struggle even today to be able to use use heart centered words and ways of being. For things that are heart centered for me, it's like I'm so mm, trained, or what would the word be? Acculturated? Is that is that a word? Yeah, I, trained um, feels like it works pretty well. Yeah, brainwashed. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> to um, yeah, to not to not show up that way, and and with other heart types, you know, other twos, threes, and fours, it's so important to have have a sense of self that's mirrored back to you that you can be proud of or that you think fits you. And of course, like eventually we can hopefully get to the place where we become our own mirrors. And so it's not dependent on those around us. But I was really looking for that when I was young and all I knew was that I didn't have it and I had to find it somewhere.
0: Did you or have you?
1: I've never considered that question. (laughs) So I guess I will now. Um, let's see. What's coming to mind is a line from the Sleeping At Last song, Four, which is something we play in custody. And there's a line at the end of that song that says, maybe we already are all that we're trying to become. And I think that's where I found it.
0: You want to listen to it?
1: Do you want to see it. me cry on the podcast? Sure. Uh, <laughs> well, to the it. good news
0: is nobody else will see. We don't have to. I.
1: I, I like the song. Yeah.
0: Um, sleeping at last. I actually have a playlist on my Spotify. Just play the whole song here. This is the right one, right? Oh yeah. If it's too much just tell me and we can pause it
4: i'm turning out the lights to remember how to see till the song takes place and resuscitates the color. God hid the building blocks of every beautiful thing In this game of hide and seek, I can't help but think that ordinary has swallowed Bodies fashioned out of dirt.
2: What's there?
1: Um, at least six different trails I could go down. Well, um,
0: we can borrow from Type 7 and go down all of them. Okay. Or one.
1: Longest podcast ever.
0: Oh, I've got a four-hour episode with Rick and Susan, so.
1: Oh, wow. If
0: you're down, we can try to beat it.
1: Okay. All right. Here we go. <laughs> Um, I guess I just want to name the things that stood out to me this time. And I've probably heard that song a hundred times, maybe even a thousand. And every time something else hits me in a really deep way. And the other cool thing about it is that sleeping at last, Ryan O'Neill is his name is like the most beautiful person. Um, also, which yeah. I don't know, just makes it really cool. Anyway. Um, well, I think about the line that I, <laughs> that I'm, misquoted close enough though, I guess. Um, about, you know, what if we're already who we're dying to become. I think about I've fallen in love with a ghost. I lost my balance when I needed it most. I remember those years? They were rough. Um, ooh, yeah, I'm stuck on that one. So I guess that's where to go next, maybe. Um I've been thinking about this a lot recently, actually, because I used to think of it as just a type four thing, but I think it applies to anyone who sees himself as a light bringer in the world or someone that's wanting to help others, to be a healer, to be a counselor, to be a guide, to be a coach, a mentor, any of those things. and. It's very easy to fall in love with a ghost, to fall in love with our own projection of a person instead of who they actually are, who, who I actually am in the space between us. And I've done that before in a very, very powerful way, actually, with someone who I think is a sociopath. Um, but I had projected all of my qualities onto that person. And um, it took me years to really sort through that and see how much I needed to believe um, that they were who I thought they were, and couldn't see how I was being manipulated or lied to or any of that. And I think that's I think that's really easy to have happen if you. Well, let me say it this way. I think every person has an experience where they meet someone really dark and until it happens to you, there's no really protecting you from that or explaining what it's like or it's just something you have to go through and live through. And I guess I feel grateful for my type structure, having experienced that because I was able I think in a way that might've been much more painful for others, even though it was excruciating for me, but um, to be able to sort through the pieces of that and leave it behind.
2: When you say dark, can I ask for
0: more detail? And I'll include here that the magic word is pass.
1: (laughs) Yeah. We might, we might want to pass on this whole section. I don't know. But, um, I think anyone who's been in an emotionally abusive situation can resonate with how confusing and mumbled the, the thoughts and feelings and memories can even be looking back. Like, tell me what that person actually did to you. I don't know that I could give you a clear answer. And, But I I do know what the the result was for me, which was a heart space completely drained, a shattered sense of self, um, a broken heart in a way I'd never experienced before in my life. And I've got some experience with that. (laughs) Um,
2: What else would I say? I think it'd be important to mention here that that a person that's dark
1: is, I think, generally that way because they don't know how to generate any light from within themselves, and that's, that's part of the human condition. It's actually part of what we teach, how to learn to accept and heal yourself. And if you can't do that, if you have a lot of trauma layered on top of that all you can do is suck in any of the light from around you and you may not be intentionally abusive, you may in fact be very well meaning, you may have a great reputation or even be seen as a really positive person in some circles Um, but that doesn't change that you're you know a black hole that's just feeding on everything around you so when I say dark, I mean a person in that state. Yeah. And I really uh, don't have as much judgment for that as it may sound. I think it could happen to anyone with the right circumstance. I don't,
0: I don't hear judgment, frankly. I th- I think I can see where maybe someone can s- describe that in a way that's easy to hear judgment, but I don't, I don't right now. Um, I... I do, I have another, I have a, it's a much easier question, so it's okay. Uh, but I, um, I actually want to ask just to make sure, are we okay here or, or do we need to? I mean, smooth? we're here. Yeah. Okay, cool.
1: I chose to go here and it doesn't have to be an easy question. I, I can think, always edit it out.
0: I'm not aiming for easy. It just so happens that what I'm curious, I think is at least easier. Um, the, the I'm wondering about the way out or what that process was or what your experience was and moving forward, especially with you. You know, you said black hole there at the end, and and what I know about black holes is not only are they dark and light does not escape them, but they have an intense gravity, and that's what makes them so dark in the first place. Is they have so much gravity that not even light can escape. So to break away from that, I would I would imagine at least if we're talking physics, um, requires an intense uh, burst of energy away or at least something along those lines. So what is, what, what can that look like generally, or what did it look like for you specifically? What, what is the, uh, what's the, what's the, the magical way out from all that?
1: I'm so happy you brought physics into it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, the magic way out. I think it's probably a similar story for everyone. Hmm. which was a place I had to bump up against my ordinariness. And that is that, that you only break away because you have nothing left and you don't have a choice. I really believe like the general point of view that you grow when the pain of change is less than the pain of staying the same. And there was just so much pain in that situation. I couldn't tolerate it anymore. And so that's that's why I pulled away. And, and still, I mean, it took everything I had, I would say, at that time to do that.
0: Uh, you said six different paths, and you mentioned a few. Um, you want to just scroll through any of the lyrics mm-hmm. there and see what else jumps out at you?
1: Yes. Before yes, I we... do. As if God hid the building blocks of every beautiful thing. I think when you were asking before, you know, what I was looking for in terms of like a mentorship or an example of someone, I think that's what I was looking for was the building blocks. Like, how do you, how does a beautiful person get created? Um, In this game of hide hide and seek, ordinary has swallowed the key. Hmm. Um, What does that
0: mean? This word ordinary, I think comes up frequently somehow talking about type four. What is that?
1: It's what we most avoid uh, because as a as an image type, wanting to be special, wanting to be different, wanting to be unique, if that's not present, then it's like our whole sense of self is shattered or threatened. And so ordinary is kind of like a catch-all word for that.
0: And I think to to a lot of us, myself included, frankly, who might not understand the depth of that, a line like in this game of, hide-and-seek ordinary has swallowed the key can you translate that because i would imagine that means quite a lot and i don't know that i fully see all that it means
1: yeah well it's funny because the next line is maybe i'm hiding behind metaphor so basically what that's what it means uh which when i first read that line i was like fuck off Who's this guy <laughs> hiding behind metaphor? Metaphors are beautiful. And yes, they are, of course, um, you know, describing something in terms of how it's like something else, a metaphor. But but it's also a way to not say what you really mean, to not uh, to not embody your truth, to not be direct, to not be clear to yourself and the world around you, um, which is part of having like a, an image that's actually internalized. At least that's how I think about it.
0: And he's a type nine, by the way. So it's not like he's writing from, as a type four, he just does such a kick-ass job mm-hmm. with those songs. Um Fun fact, he has a podcast episode dedicated to each of those songs. Mm-hmm. Highly recommend it. I'll just, I'll link it in the description. I've literally never said that on this podcast, but I'm, I will. And it'll be there. Yay. 10 out of 10 would recommend. Uh He, we play his song at the conclusion of every type um, on the inside. And uh it's it's amazing how he, how he captures each type, yeah. Um, but you have the rest of the lyrics is there. Anything?
1: Yes. Yeah, so we're gonna translate in this game of hide and seek. I can't help but think that ordinary has swallowed the key. So hide and, in the game of hide and seek. The way I understand that is trying to. Um, all right, well, two interpretations. One fours have a reputation for kind of running and hiding and then popping back out and, uh, kind of like a push pull relationship dynamic. So it could be that it could also be like trying to find the authentic self. Who am I really? And in both of those, if ordinary has swallowed the key, it's saying that the key to getting off that merry-go-round, there's a metaphor. Damn it. I can't stop. (laughs) Just go with it. (laughs) Um, to get off that merry-go-round or to stop the madness. um, (laughs) in order to to really change and have that have that improve, you have to be willing to see yourself as just like everyone else and not special um or at least well, that's not exactly true. It's not about rejecting your idealized self either; it's about seeing how they can coexist. How can I be ordinary extraordinary? Gotcha, so you integrate them,
3: yeah.
0: Oh, that sounds so easy.
1: Yeah. I mean, <laughs> snap your fingers. Yep. That's why the Myers-Briggs can be more accessible. <laughs>
3: Are
0: there any other uh, lyrics there that jump out? Let's see. You really enjoy sarcasm, by the way. I've noticed. I I've do. kind of known already, but this, this week I've, I've seen it a lot more. for the record, I approve. I'm a big fan of the old sarcasm.
1: And so is everyone else. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The next one that's standing out to me is one day I'll wear it all on my sleeve, the insignificant with the sacred unique. And I really see that as goals. I don't know, for my life anyway, to wear everything on my sleeve, the things that I think are really unique and powerful and beautiful about me. and the stuff that I think is cheesy and basic and ordinary, like loving Christmas decoration. I probably shouldn't name all these things, but I have a list. list.
0: Some people need to hear it.
1: Okay. Well, I, so some things I have learned in the last year that I really love that I think make me kind of basic and a reprehensible human, but I am like, fuck it. This is going to be me and it's going to be okay. I love decorating for Christmas. I decorated for Christmas this year on November, November 6th. It's, it's ludicrous. Who does that? Who does that? I also um, really like getting my nails done in really crazy colors. They're hopelessly inefficient. And every time I go and have them done, I ask them for, for them to be as like long and pointy and witchy as possible. Yeah. Which also, like who who wants that?
0: Someone who does Christmas decorations on November <laughs> 6th is who wants that. <laughs> apparently. For, the, for the record.
1: <laughs> apparently so. Yeah, apparently yeah. so. Um I have gotten really into. I mean this is everyone though, let's be real. Um
0: we'll we'll see. <laughs>
1: baby animal videos on Instagram? Okay, I can actually tie this to research though because if you look at, um, I will not be lured in with your magical <laughs> research. I'm not. It's not magic. It's real. It's real. It's real. It's real research. But looking at farm animals like actually reduces your stress and gives you more happy feelings if you yeah. do it for a few seconds occasionally. So I do it for a few seconds occasionally all day. That's all. I I'll stop the list there. I won't. It's uh, a short list.
0: <sighs> I won't argue about the farm animals. I don't know. I don't know. Is it farm animals or little baby animals? Baby animals on a farm. They can
1: be farm animals if you want them to be farm animals, Clay.
0: I think generally speaking, people see baby animals and feel better because um at least I'm not that dumbass baby animal or something like that. Like they're stumbling around, you know. Or whatever. No, I
1: know. they're being they're being cute and lovable, and you just want to pick them up and I'll have to I'll cuddle have, them.
0: I'll need to Google this research. I think people, I babies, puppies, kittens, like all the little new things. I think are just generally like uncontaminated and fun to be with or be around. So anecdotally, I will say that I think all that. I don't know about this. I'll have to look up the research. I'm curious. I'm interested in reading the research. How about that?
1: Will you send it to me when you find it? <laughs> Uh, so I can read it again because I haven't seen it in a long time.
0: I I will look for it. Hopefully, I can find it. I bet you can. I will. I will. Yes, I will link it. I will send you the link. Uh, if I if I can find it. Um, how did we get there? What what led to that? We were in a black hole a minute ago. Happens. Um, we're an hour in, by the way. If you're if you're wondering how okay. how that how that feels. Are we okay on time? Or are you? Are you mm, yeah, okay. I'm good. We'll go for a little bit longer. Cool. Um, it ain't so bad after a while. Is it, or is it,
1: I feel fine talking to you. I don't know how I feel about anyone on the planet listening to what I'm saying right now, but I could maybe get over it.
0: I think that's, um, it's actually a good time for me to just wiggle in a request to the listener to, to reach out to folks that are on the podcast and let them know that you appreciated this. If you did, I don't, don't just make it up. If it's not true. I hear so much positive feedback from people who hear the, every episode they'll, I get messages and it's very encouraging. I love it. It makes my day. Please keep doing it. And I don't think it's true for the guests. I think not everybody understands like what you just said, like it's fine to sit and chat with Clay, but it's a little less um comfortable with anybody who wants to listen can listen and can rewind and can listen again and over and over and over. <laughs> i was trying to make it worse, but I don't guess it worked. Um or maybe it did. <laughs> it got the head not okay. Uh and so it's it's free to just reach out and say hey, I enjoyed it or I liked it or thanks for sharing yourself or whatever. So hopefully someone will hear that and reach out to you and say that was awesome. Or is it actually not a good idea for that? <laughs> Am I asking for something
1: you don't want? I don't know. I don't know. I can't be trusted with an answer to that right now. Well, I'm feeling s- embarrassed.
0: That's uh, that's that's appropriate. I think probably I think most people would be, um, but that goes for any guest. Like just I I I love I usually screenshot and pass it along, and sometimes I don't. But it's nice to know that people enjoyed. You know, when you pour out yourself to some to any extent, it's nice that people appreciate it. On the inside, when we do panels, you know, we do like the type overview, then we do a type panel. We ask folks to come sit on panel. And then at the conclusion of the panel, um, before we play the song for each type, we do a circle. We do like a round of appreciation where we appreciate the folks on panel. I think appreciation is very important. It's just, it's just necessary. I think anytime somebody sits and answers questions, whether it's on a podcast or a panel or anywhere else, I don't know. It's just how I feel about it. Uh, So we're going back in uh, for day three on Monday here in San Diego. Um, do you have, uh, do you have any thoughts about, you know, day three, day four coming up and any of the modules that we're doing? I don't know. I don't I have a specific question, but it's anything on your mind with regard to any of that.
1: Hmm. Can we talk about Alex or not really?
0: Um, who just got out? Oh, a hundred percent. A thousand percent. I would. Uh, yes.
1: Okay. So what comes to mind is a couple nights ago we were able to meet up with one of the participants from a former class at this prison who was just released less than 2 weeks ago, I want to say. Uh, less than 3 weeks ago maybe.
0: Yeah, 2 weeks and a couple of days.
1: Yeah. Um and his wife and so it was Troy and Clay and are we can we say their names?
0: Um we can we'll just do first name. It was the previous episode was Becky
1: Oh, I haven't listened to
0: it yet. Actually, I can say now that the reason that that episode went up so late is because we didn't want to release the episode until he was released just to make sure we didn't jeopardize anything. But he's, he's here. He's out here. He was here at that chair three feet away from me.
1: It was a very excited face you just made. (laughs) It was,
0: I'm yes, I was, it was, there's no way to describe how that felt.
1: No, no, but that's what I'd want to talk about. Um, so, yeah, Becky and Alex and then Laura, Clay, Troy and I just we didn't even have that much time together, maybe an hour and a half or something, and just to to catch up and hear how he's doing and um which he said by the way that he's had to answer so many times that that's overwhelming yeah. to talk about how overwhelming it is to be out and and to be in this new world, new life and all of it and there's just so much so much love in the room, first of all, like between Becky and Alex, and then uh between between them and all of us, and just celebrating this new life beginning and let me think of so what <laughs> what to say about that I'm sure you there's, there's so things much. you want to say, clay
0: yeah, I mean there's just something about meeting someone in prison and and you have so much hope for them, and you know that they—deserve uh, is such a heavy word, but I, I will say it because I believe it in this case. They deserve a chance to be out here in the wild with the rest of us. I don't think that he um, belonged in prison anymore. I think that he was no longer being served by the justice system in that ridiculous phrase. I'll say it because that's what they say, and in that case, I think that he he belongs out here. He—, he this is where he needs to be, and I'm so happy that he was found suitable and was released. And I, I think um, it's an opportunity for so many things. It's an opportunity for him. Um, it's an opportunity for us. You know, it's 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 just opportunities in every direction, and it's and it's just very. Um, exciting. It's, I love seeing someone in street clothes after I've seen him in blues for, I've known him for a year and a half or so. and I've been in to that prison a lot and, um, he was gone for a long time by the way. And I'll, I'll stay vague with all that, but basically he went to parole and he made it on his first try. And when you're gone, as long as he was, that don't happen. Like they just don't, they don't usually say yes on the first try. And I remember very clearly thinking, I'm not getting my hopes up. I'm already sad because clearly they're going to say no. And so that they said yes means that that is just meant to be. And whatever, how, whatever that means to you, it's just meant to be. And he's out here and we sat at this table and ate Chipotle. And that is what life should be like. And I think, um, I think that, I will never like forget crimes that were committed. I will not justify crimes that, you know, victims, I I won't, I won't say that the victims didn't matter. I'll never, ever, ever say, or even hint any of that. What I will say is, um, I, I think that that is a man who needs to be free instead of incarcerated and to be a part, my little tiny, you know, sliver of, you know, part of that process uh, is so enjoyable. And to just sit here and look and see like, dude, wearing street clothes, trying Chipotle for the first time, making jokes, you know, like the, I had a little miniature can of Coke and this they've shrunk since you got, you know, locked up. Ha ha ha. This is how small they are here in the future, whatever. Like that is what life should be like. And I want to see, I want to see what he can offer to the world. I I'll say it this way he has a lot more to give to the world out here than he did inside prison. And I think it was right to let him go and it's on him to prove that that was a good idea. And I, and I think that is just beautiful. And I I will, I will stand by anyone, regardless of their past, if, if they can show that the future is where the, that this is what they, we deserve them. They deserve this too. It's just pure joy to think about. I love it. I'm pissed it took me two weeks to get out here and hug his neck. You know, got here as fast as I could.
1: <laughs> That's a beautiful moment. Yeah. Yeah. Hope.
0: What was your experience? That was Friday night here at the house, the Airbnb, whatever you call it.
3: Um, how did you experience that?
1: You know how it feels when you're around someone that you see doing something so big and so difficult
2: and so brave. And it's
1: like, it's hard to know what to feel. Definitely hope, inspiration, respect.
2: Maybe even a little
1: like insecurity gets in there. Maybe like, wow, what have I ever done? That's hard. <laughs> you know, seeing someone step into a new world and a new life and have to just sort it out. Um, yeah, just inspiring. I think
0: before we had dinner that night, we, we did something that I first experienced at the Olesic, uh, dinner table. Um, um, we they sit around and they before you know all the food's on the table they hold hands everybody says something that they're they're grateful for they squeeze the hand next to them and go around the whole table uh everybody says something that they're grateful for grateful for and that was one of the highlights of my year <sighs> being able to to sit at the table Friday with uh all the names that you gave earlier and just and just say a quick word about what we're grateful for and it just, it's my, it's, there's, it's just cool. That's cool as shit. I love that. I want to, I want to have that experience with so many people that I think just belong out here. Um, I hope I'm around for a lot more of those. That was cool. Also something that you said, it reminded me that this is probably worth mentioning that when folks get out, it actually is overwhelming so, how's it going? How you doing? What this and that and the other. All the small talk things that are no big deal for most people. They're the equivalent of how's the weather kind of stuff. Um, it is overwhelming. It's very it can be very um overwhelming to just to answer that question over and over and over, but to also know that people are wondering it all the time. And it's uh it's a it's a reminder for me to be a little bit more Don't ask so many damn questions. People who just got out, you know, Um, I I have a couple other questions that aren't related to that. Um, I'll save them for a little bit till we're done, done anything else uh, on your mind that you'd like to talk about or that we haven't covered.
1: Um, Yes. Well, just a couple things that I thought of that I should have added earlier. So when I was talking about uh, the ghosts that I projected all over on, and I mentioned that I thought they were a sociopath, I just wanted to clarify that that had nothing to do with EPP or anyone involved in jail or prison, just a regular person in a self-help group. Fun. Yeah.
0: I, that's I didn't think EPP. We're all perfect in EPP. What do you mean? <laughs> what?
1: I just want I would hate for anyone to he, like hear the term right. sociopath and, and be like, oh, you have guides falling in love with people that are in prison or I don't know, whatever. Yeah.
0: whatever <laughs> well, it's going to be misunderstood a million different ways. So yeah. I do appreci- appreciate the clarity. It's always nice to, just for the sake of clarity. Yeah. Anything else?
1: Um, I mean, I want wonder- to, we're not
0: limited on time, by the way, we can go for Like, as I usually point out, we have like 32 hours worth of space. Okay. So we are not limited. We could, so
1: we could do a few more of those hours. I'm okay. fine with that. Cool. Um, the only- I want to re re record the intro because yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I said just that. Just do it now. Oh, okay. I'll try another one. <laughs> this
0: mm-hmm. can be the start of the episode. That was just a 90 minute warm up. Okay. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> Yeah, you can do it here, and I can add it there, or they can just hear it here as it naturally falls or whatever.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Um. Okay, so I'm Jan Shegda. I'm a guide with EPP. Cool. I could cover it.
0: And I'll, by the magic of editing, I'll probably still leave it here in the middle of the episode, or end, or whatever that ends up being. And I'll just put it at the front as well.
1: Okay, That's fine.
0: Yeah. And again, you'll hear you hear it before anybody else does. And you can say thumbs up or delete, delete, delete.
1: I could also say I'm Jan Shegda. I love Christmas. I decorate early. I like having my nails done. I like baby animals on Instagram.
0: That is definitely going to be in the description because every episode is, <laughs> is, um, in this, you know, you know, so-and-so is a so-and-so for EPP in this episode, you know, EPP ambassador Clay Toomey talks with so-and-so about this, this, and that. So it's always three things. Mm. So it could be, it could be, (sighs) the first one would be, uh, it's like one word, one word, and a phrase. So it could be like uh, baby animals, uh, Myers-Briggs, and what's the other
1: one? Trauma and emotional abuse.
0: Trauma and emotional (laughs) abuse. (laughs) I'm not uh and then below that i'll be all the stuff to um sleeping at last and i am going to put that in the links but yeah, yeah that's, that's good. good um the so th- yeah we, I, i'll edit that however it sounds good and maybe we'll leave this maybe we won't that will definitely go at the beginning but then i think all this is fun i think people just enjoy especially with the long form podcast it's just fun to listen to it's just fun to. Some people listen to it over several days, like they drive to work, listen to 20, 30 minutes on the way home or on the way to work and a little bit more on the way home or while they you know, go on their morning run. Or mm-hmm. Laura might be walking her dog right now. Hi, mm-hmm. hi Laura.
1: Hi, Laura. If,
0: if that's what you're doing.
1: Hi, Trax. <laughs> uh,
0: that, I really actually hope that's, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to say anything about that until this comes out and i'm curious to hear when she hears that
1: yeah laura you have to tell us exactly what you were doing when you heard that sentence
0: yeah or text us right now that's the thing send us a screenshot of your podcast app right now okay <laughs> we got that out of the way i think she i think that it's that's that was actually silly but that's gonna stay that's fun we do have fun here in southern california <laughs>
1: Very serious and convinced of that. <laughs> it's true. And I am.
0: <laughs> Why would we not? Sometimes we don't, but um, so what else? What else is on the, uh, what's, what's, wh- wh- where, where else should we go from there?
1: Hmm. Well, what do you know about your podcast listeners and what they want to hear about?
0: Good question. I think. Um, So in the first year or so of the podcast, I really did it with the new Enneagrammer in mind. So someone who may have just found the Enneagram or maybe just recently learned their type or maybe their loved one recently went through the program or something like that. And oftentimes it was easier for me to imagine that person if I just pictured my mom because she, that all those, well, not all of those, but most of those fit her. She was new. Uh, actually the podcast is what got her like into the Enneagram. Cause she could listen in the privacy of her own home or rewind as she wanted to and all this stuff. And um, so I, I really kind of geared towards the new um, the, the Enneagram newbie, however you want to say that. And I, I've pretty much kept that, um, you know, focus all along with some exceptions here and there. Like we talk when we talk about, like guide training, you know, I think about talking to the new guides or the prospective guides or whatever, you know, whoever might be listening from that. Um, But I think generally speaking, the audience uh, as a whole might, um, it might be fun to hear about, like earlier you were mentioning like the different centers and heart types and stuff like that. And I think, I think a lot of people know the basics of the Enneagram and the centers and the words, like we know, eight, nine, one are belly types; two, three, four are heart types; five, six, seven are head types. And we don't always know a what exactly does that mean, and and b how do they work together? So with you being a heart type and me being a head type, like what does that mean as far as how we interact with each other? Um, clearly, you're very educated, informed, a lot of knowledge. Um, and it's easy for me to connect with that from the head center. Um, but what if you, what if you weren't like that? And by the way, why are you like that? If you're a heart type, why are we not just fully emotionally involved this whole time? Why are we able to talk? Why did you say the thing? I'm glad you brought in physics or whatever. Like that's a very, well, it's a head type nerdy thing to do or whatever. Mm-hmm. But clearly not, because you as a heart type said it. So you, you see what I'm saying? Like there's, oh, I do
1: see what you're saying. There's a
0: lot to talk about. I think with the belly types, the heart types, the head types, how they interact. What does that even mean in the first place? Um, and I think that would be a fun conversation to have with the the audience in mind being a group who knows uh, who knows enough to learn a little more.
1: Yeah. Well, I can just say how it seems to me. I haven't thought about this before, but I would say what I would expect is that as a head type, you would be interacting with me looking for uh, more knowledge, looking for conversations about how to deepen your understanding of the world and have stimulating dialogue and also to, uh, I think this is more of a five thing maybe than head type, but but I think all head types also are kind of like interested in, in the absurdities of life, which of course, of course like not. as a four is like, yes, please, all the absurdities, you know, especially if it's like, you know, something that's um, a double entendre or a, um, something that can be thought of two ways or something that's just, it reminds me of, of, I've heard some several Enneagram teachers say that some of the best comedians are type sixes who mm-hmm. are a head type because they're able to see both sides of an issue and point out how both are ridiculous. Yeah. And yeah. So that's what I would expect. The head type would be coming to a conversation looking for. And as a heart type, um, it's a little harder to talk about cause it's me. And I'm not sure if this is me or heart type, but I'll do my best. Um, heart type would be coming to the conversation, looking for connection, looking to, um, uh, well, specifically as a four, I want to be seen as unique. And if I know the thing that you value most as a head type or as a five is braininess or competence or absurdity, then those might be the the parts that I would choose to show. Um, Because what I'm looking for is mirroring (laughs) of how unique I am.
0: Is this a good time to say that we've never played a like, we've never played a song before. We've never done a this before. We've never done a...
1: Oh, that would be a great time. Okay. Did you get the hint from me pointing at you directly to give me some positive feedback?
0: I almost saw a handheld sign <laughs> with the directions on it. I'm not saying uh, you held that up. I'm just saying I almost saw that.
1: It's a real thing, though. And, I mean, sometimes I'm aware of it, sometimes I'm not. But yeah. I'm in every interaction, I'm looking for how do you see me... Yeah. More detail, please.
0: So, I have a, actually I have a question about that because um, I have seen a type say that this is a thing that I need, and it's the thing that I need to not get because it feeds. There's a balance where you're feeding to a to a certain degree. You're you're serving me by my by giving me what I need, but I'm gonna ask for more, and the more is what's a problem. It, is that? Do you experience a similar version of that with what you've explained with your own type?
1: Oh yeah, totally. I mean, I definitely don't want what I'm after all the time, which is mm, a lot of a lot of just yeah positive mirroring, or I would maybe even use the word worship. I yeah. mean, that's what I think in my mind that I want, but as soon as I get that, I'm like, ugh, gross, and. And it's because it's not authentic and it's not real connection. And and really what I want is to be connected with me. And that's an inside job. But I think of it the same way as like a, a head type, you know, a head type wanting more, more dialogue about cognitive subjects and more deep exploration uh, mentally. And I don't experience that head types that get that, really get what they're after either. What do you think about that part of it?
0: I think that, um, so the, the, the dialogue or the conversation itself, I enjoy infinitely or indefinitely. I'm no word scientist. <laughs> I, I love talking to people. I love hearing people talk. That part's fun. I think what my version of that is I want to be acknowledged for my ideas and I want my, I want my value to be in my. Thoughts or something some kind of mental thing that I can bring to the table and be praised for, and there's a point where it's like, this feels good, thank you for noticing, yes, I'm a genius, I'm aware all that stuff, like I feel that way. I never actually say that anything other than I wish I could capture the face that you just made, so people <laughs> would would at least be able to agree with you that it was ridiculous what I said, but the way the reason I'm saying that is there there's a point where I have a mild and healthy um amount of that like I I love if I say hey I have what if we just do this and people go great yeah of course hell yeah great idea that feels good and there comes a point to where it's it can be too much and I start to doubt if it's a is it genuine or b um are are they I I question their intellect like why are you praising me this much because I think there's there's nobody who I respect that would like all of my ideas. There's a there's a joke in there. What's his name? Woody Allen? No, not Woody Allen. Who said the thing about I wouldn't be a part of any club that would have me?
1: Oh, I don't remember. So it's
0: a version of that. It's a big but with brain stuff, and so so it's actually a little different for me. And um, it there's a balance of everything probably, but I don't know. I I I wonder when i asked the question to you my thinking was is there a way is there a way that i can optimize being a friend and can i can i feed into it just the right amount this thing that you need and and tell me where the line is that i don't cross it so i can be the most efficient optimized friend possible and and then i want to do that with every type on the enneagram and find out what is their version of that and I actually don't know if that's a thing for every type, but what I'm hearing is it probably is.
1: I love this question. I want to hear it for you also. I What's coming to mind right now is I want to know, I think what, well, let me get it out first and see if it's always healthy, but I think it pretty much is. I want to know how you're impacted by me. Because then I'm learning about you and we're connecting and I'm also learning about myself, but it's not about praise. It's not about mirroring. It's not about, mm, you know, polishing, (laughs) polishing the sheen on who I am or something. It's a weird phrase. I'm sure that (laughs) that came from. I was thinking of, I was thinking of like Snow White and the seven Dwarfs, and like polishing the apple, the witch. I don't know. I don't know what's happening. (laughs) <laughs> anyway, <laughs> anyway uh yeah, I think I think the right amount would be, you know, both in positive and negative ways. fours we can be a lot in good ways and in negative ways and and if I don't get a get clear feedback about that in either direction, I will fill it in myself with a variety of true or untrue assumptions.
0: Will you do that out loud to where the the person can confirm or deny any of it or will it all be internal and we'll all just be screwed in the end? <laughs>
1: <laughs> depends on the relationship. Okay. Yeah. And depends on the health of the four, I would say. And for me, it's still something I'm working on saying it faster what I'm actually thinking. But I mean, I don't want to say it and I believe that no one wants to hear it. Yeah. So it's uncomfortable, but it's necessary maintenance.
0: I feel like I suffer from the opposite where I do want to say it. How did you say it just now? I don't want to say it and no one wants to hear it. Mm -hmm. I think I do want to say it and they still don't want to hear it. (laughs) Mm. I think I say too much often
1: about what,
0: um, well, in that case, the, the, the thing, the thing, so if I'm not encouraged or supported or whatever, if I'm not, if the line isn't even approached, like if there's still a lot left that I haven't heard yet, I will say, and I joke, I do actually genuinely joke about a lot, like just a minute ago, the genius thing. Like I say stuff like that frequently and to to some extent, because I think it's absurd and maybe funny or whatever. Uh, But that does show up in like my real life where people, you know, if I, if I should have heard, thank you five times. And I only heard it once. I'll say it four times and I'll say it for you. And just so you know that you were supposed to say it, not always, especially considering the private conversation we had earlier before we hit record. But that's where my, that's how I show up in the world where I think, uh, I'm missing this much, so I'll just do it for myself. And then hold everyone, hold it against them for having not said it, I suppose. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, does that make sense? And that protects you from having to be vulnerable and trust in order enough to tell the person, it really bothered me that you didn't say thank you five times?
0: I think it just gives me a it's a fabricated way of meeting my own needs and it's, and it's false. So it doesn't actually work, but it, it's an attempt, you know, the, the simple example of needing to hear something five times. And I only heard it once. So I say it four times. It, it's an attempt at, it's an attempt at getting something that I'm not getting. And because it's, you know, what do they call that? And, The nutrition world, it's like fake calories or something like that. There's a word for it where it's basically like not actually doesn't hold. There's no nutrients there. It's just empty. And I wish I knew more about food, nutrition or whatever to be smart there. But I don't. Um, But. I, t- I don't even know enough to be smart. I don't even know enough to make an example about being smart. So <laughs> I'm way, way, I'm way behind right now. Screwed. Um, yeah. It's, uh, but yeah. So all all that to say that I think I just try to substitute the things that I'm missing, and that and it's and it's fake. So it doesn't actually work. Mm-hmm. It's just air.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: So it's not. Um, with the other example, it was a it was a three who wanted to be told they were great, but only so much. Like tone it down at this point. This is where I don't need to hear it anymore.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: So acknowledge that I'm great, but not so much.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And that's a very generalized, borderline. You know, maybe not even accurate paraphrase, but it's pretty close. And then for me, that's what that is. So I need, uh, there's a certain point where it's good, and then like chill out.
1: Okay, so if you were to say what you, how did you say it before? Like what you need from people?
0: For me, like to, the way I look at it going outward towards other people, the way I think of it is like how the question I'm wondering is how do I be the ideal friend to, to them? Or how, I think what I said was optimized or efficient, but I'm really thinking like how to be the best Not best by comparison, but just, I cannot be the, the ideal, whatever, friend, partner, parent, Mm -hmm. all of it. Mm -hmm. So that, that's the question that I'm looking, I'm trying to answer for other people.
1: And what about for you? What's the ideal friend to you?
2: Um, I think, um.
0: So some level of, I I need, so I need friction, first of all, like pushback. I don't, I don't need to always be amazing. So I really don't trust people who think that. And, um, I just, I, I don't trust their being genuine. If I'm always great, then I don't, either they don't know me or they're full of shit because it's just not true. So I, and I also don't want to always be a dumbass or always be, you know, loud or always be, I don't want to always be anything. I just, I, want, I need like the right balance of you're cool and Hey, tone it down. And, um, I think that's, I think that feels pretty safe. I think it feels, that's a weird word. I don't know why I said, say it feels, it feels, um, I mean it's, it's actually very, it does make sense. I. It feels, I can spend less energy wondering if we're truly, uh, close or if we're truly friends or if the person really loves me. If, if I, if I don't have to think and figure it, figure that out, that's great. I have more energy to think about other things. I don't want to think about who, who is real and who's not or who I can trust and who I can't. I don't want to think about that. I just want to know it. So if there's a, if there's not a, an appropriate balance between you're awesome and you suck, you know, it's, that it's a problem.
1: So you know someone's a real friend to you when they give you healthy feedback of all kinds.
0: Yeah, I can actually tell you. I can use. I can give you an example. Uh, Dana Vitarello, uh, who's been on the podcast before, many people know who that is. She is someone who I I really lean on if I have. So I had a I had a experience recently, and just a personal life experience where I I really needed someone who I trusted for their um intellectual prowess like she's brilliant i think she's very smart so i needed someone who i trusted how smart they are and how much they cared about me and how much they um how how likely they were to tell me you're full of shit this is stupid or this is great like I, I wanted to i needed somebody who was smart, trustworthy and loved me. And it needed to be 100% on all the all three of those. This was a, a a just a big moment in life for me. Big day. And and so i at the moment i realized i needed to talk to someone who filled all three of those. I texted her and said, "Hey, do you have an hour today?" And she said, "Yes," and we talked. And the reason that that is It is such a, it's the reason it's so good to have someone like that for me is that I, I spend zero energy wondering, can I trust what she's saying? Is it, is it reliable information? You know, is she just trying, is she just trying to whatever? Like I don't, I don't spend any, literally zero energy. Like I can just fully accept whatever she says with, with no filter or processing of my own. And in that moment, that's what I needed. And to me, that is, that is the ideal friend where I can, um, out of nowhere, and I didn't check to see if she's having a good day or are you on vacation or, or, you know, are you well today? Are you sick? Do you feel okay? Are you traveling? I didn't ask any of that. All I said was, do you have an hour today? I need to talk. And the answer was yes. And I can, I can fully unload all the information that I have and trust her processing and advice. After that. And to me, that is the ideal. That's the ideal friend. And it's nice to have. I don't think I find that very often. I don't know that I find that with her always. It's just in the moment that existed. So it was quite good.
1: Sounds like trust.
0: Yeah. It's a big, yeah. Shocker. Us in the old (laughs) head type world. (laughs) Yeah. It's a big deal. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that has to be a thing for every type. There's some version of that for every type. If you go around the enneagram,
1: mm-hmm. well, and on Dana's part too, guessing. But I would imagine that she would also have to trust. Okay, I'm just going to go with whatever Clay wants to talk about today. I'm gonna, I'm gonna trust that in the future, if we have a more, if I need a more reciprocal conversation, that can happen. But it's not today, you know. Because yeah. I mean, that's. That's something to need trust in as well.
0: Yep. And, and in the moment, I'm just wondering like how that even lands to the listener who might not have someone like that. What that? What do you do if you don't have that? I actually don't know the answer to that question. I don't know what I would do. And I, I feel like it's worth trying to find an answer because that's got to be a bummer to hear all that. And I feel good sharing that. I imagine it feels neat, like the idea of hearing that. But also to the person who might not have that. What 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 the hell? What do you do then? If you have that moment and you don't have
2: a Dana, then what do you do?
1: Have you ever had a time in your life when you didn't have that? Oh yeah. Yeah, I went
0: to went to prison for that. <laughs> I, I mean, for me it was
2: Um. Yeah, there was a lot of that. That was um That was most of my
0: childhood, actually. I think I didn't. I had, I do know that people loved me. I I do know that I was loved. There's no doubt about that. As a child, I was loved. And there's no doubt as a child that I had some very, I had access to really smart people. And there, I was at least at a minimum, I had some teachers who were, or people in my church or my family or my parents who there were some, there was somebody who was reliable and i could trust what they said and i don't think i had anybody that fit all three i don't think i had anybody that fit two actually and i think that was a lot of where my problems came from was that i knew i knew um yeah i'm 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 centering myself because i know my mom listens but i'll just trust that it's okay to say and mom pause it if you need to wait a little while um, but I know that beyond a shadow of a doubt, my mom loved me to pieces. Like, there's no doubt. I have, I have no questions about how much my mom loved me as a child. Um, I do think that she didn't have all the tools that she needed. And I think that I was really tricky as a kid. And I think that she didn't have the answers. If she did, I would have probably trusted those answers. And I think she just didn't. So the doubt there was not in the love it was doubting the ability i think and there were people in my life who i thought were brilliant and probably had all the answers but i don't think they loved me enough to what they weren't approachable for me or maybe i just missed it somehow so i and all through childhood and early adult life and i just never i never i never had I never had, you know, the proverbial Dana, you know, to just call up and say, hey, I need to talk. And in, in their defense, all those people that were in my life, I don't know that I was even capable of hearing or I wasn't receptive. I wasn't, I wasn't sending out any calls to say, hey, can we talk? And going to, going to prison set a lot of things in motion to where I could, I could develop that skill. Develop the relationships too, but then eventually, um, I think the first time I ever actually did that was three or four years out of prison, and I had a moment, you know, in my personal life where I just, I, 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 I hit the panic button, and for me, that was calling Susan and saying, "Hey, I'm at a point where I don't know what my choice, what my options are, what my choices should be. I just know that I am incapable of making any reasonable." choice right now and I feel like this is the point where I usually destroy the world around me I don't want to do that and please help and so and and that was a big deal for me it's a big day big moment because I did I did the healthy thing that was good for not just me but everybody in my life probably and thankfully Susan was there for that and there's probably been a couple of those over the years. Um, Dana was the most recent. I'm sure there'll be more. I don't expect to have it easy going from here on out. But, but I don't. I know what I I know what happened in the absence of that in my own life, and I don't know. Still, I don't. I don't know what to tell people to do.
2: I don't know. I don't know what I what advice to give to people who don't have that. It feels pretty helpless how's
1: it for you to share all that?
2: It feels it feels kind of icky actually. It feels
0: <laughs> this is it feels like um, thinking you're in a house that that's empty so you just walk out of the shower without a towel and no clothes on and then you walk into a room of people and you're just like you you're just exposed to
2: everybody unintentionally. I don't like that.
1: No, I don't like it either. (laughs) I don't like I don't like being on a podcast and all of a sudden I'm talking about my own drama and Ugh. Yeah.
0: So why do we do it? What is what is the point?
1: I think the point is no one really wants to sit down. At least I don't. Let's just say I. I don't want to sit down and listen to someone tell me everything they've learned and how shiny their life is and how everything's easy and beautiful. I mean, I'd love to believe that, but I want someone I can relate to that, uh, you know, the dark moments, the things that have been really confusing and maybe I don't even have answers for yet. And I want to be able to feel more human because I'm listening to them and feel connected because I'm not alone. And I think that's what you did.
2: And me too.
3: And you too. I agree.
0: I just, I have this pulling, I have this like urge. I really want to answer this question. because You we, want it, me to ask it to you? you? You can, we can answer it. No, I have the question. I just oh. don't know that you can answer it or we can answer it or whatever. But I, I just feel like it's worth asking is to, to the, to the person, like, what is the first step to the person who doesn't? Who, the, to the person who is as early as they can be in their journey, who who is on their own at this point still, how do they work towards having? What's the next step? What what? what and there's so many possibilities, and it's a really big question. And I get that. And so whatever I think, whatever hits you is kind of what I want to hear. What what is the first step for the, for
2: for that person who? I mean, they're eager, they're looking, but they don't even know what to look for. whether it's a relationship or who to ask for help or what to do.
1: I think the first step might sound a little weird, but the first step is begging. And if you're a praying person, that's a prayer. If you're not, it's still begging. It's still, you know, it's, it reminds me of the poem that we use in custody um, by Oriah Mountain Dreamer house, the invitation. It's like, what's it called? Yeah. The invitation. Yeah. And, um, there's a part in there where it talks about, um, screaming yes to, oh, I'm going to misquote it. I'm glad you're pulling it up right now. (laughs) But, um, when you come to the end of yourself like that and you realize you need something that's just not available, I don't think there's anything you can do other than just like scream and wail about that. And if you have a relationship with with God or some kind of higher power that you feel can receive that. I think that's a place to do that. And even if you don't, or if you don't believe in that, just the act of vulnerability of being exactly where you are, who you are, and letting that just erupt from you. I can't think of a better place to start, but it's the thing that we would all avoid most. Okay. I, the thing that I would (laughs) least want to do
0: you're doing a thing there. You're catching yourself. And um, this has happened on the podcast before, but I'll just ask you to explain it quickly. What What are you doing right there? What is that thing where you're, you're changing it from the general you or we or whatever and put, putting it back on yourself?
1: Yeah, what I'm doing there is removing the vibe of like steepling my fingers and oh, yes, well, when we tend to and waxing eloquent about something and actually talking about. Something that's true for me.
0: Um, thank you. I love that. This is the, I don't remember what line it is. Do you want to look at it and mm-hmm. see? It's fun watching you navigate the touchscreen phone with your, the, the nails this, that you make. This helps me.
2: <laughs> I won't describe that. What. <laughs> I hope that's the whole thing. I just I pressed the first thing I found.
1: I want to know if you can live with failure, yours and mine, and still stand at the edge of the lake and shout to the silver of the full moon, yes. That's
2: good. Uh, I enjoyed this.
0: I didn't expect it. Ex- I really didn't expect to get two hours out of you. Like it might cut down to like an hour and fifty-five minutes.
1: Oh, we're gonna cut four whole minutes out, are we? <laughs>
0: actually, I think I think we actually started around the ten-minute mark and we're a little over two hours in, so maybe like an hour and fifty minutes or forty-five or something like that.
1: It um, would really be okay with me if it was. I mean, it can be. It can be smaller. It's okay. Um,
0: it won't be too much smaller. There's a lot of a lot of good stuff here. I, and I hope you I hope you agree when you when you hear it in a week or so when it's cut down to its final edit, and you give it the green line, not sh- ship it off to Robin to prettify it like good stuff. <clears throat> anything, uh, anything else?
2: Anything lingering that didn't get said earlier? Hmm.
1: yeah i'm i have a question okay i want to know why you do this because i know like why you started doing the podcast but that's like why we start doing a thing is different why we keep doing a thing and so like i'm curious like what's actually in it for you now doing this Uh.
0: I do it for the millions of dollars in ad revenue. Mm. Um, of course I start there. Uh, I think so, I guess as a brief recap, the reason I started was we were in the 10th year, the ninth year leading up to the 10th anniversary of EPP, And I um, was just asked to do as a, a year in celebration as we moved to the 10th anniversary. That's why I, I started. Um, actually gave it a, gave it a try several years before that and it didn't last. And thanks to how awesome, um, Robin Grant is to work with, I felt it was doable this time again. So I was down to try and I've loved, um, quite severely. I've loved dealing with Robin every step of the way as, as the episodes kind of come together and new ideas kind of come about, I really, I think so much more highly than I ever actually articulate with regard to, uh, to Robin. I really, really, really think highly of him. Uh, there are other people in the process that make it possible. I just felt like bragging on him for a moment. Um, so that was the f- the first season was because of that. And then the 10th anniversary of EPP, that episode, and then we continued to do it in the second season by that point, my mom had taken interest and it was it was a way to just keep in mind the new folks that come along and how important I think this is to have something there that's freely accessible to anyone with a podcast app who can who can open it and listen they can have a few laughs I'm very comfortable being silly, goofing around, and only having fun. I'm also fine going as deep as the guest is willing to go. And I love talking the Enneagram, obviously, talking about prison. So the I'm saying all that to say that the the meaning, the purpose has kind of just flown its, gone its own path along the way. So that, I think where I'm at now, um, the reason I do it is... Um, well, all those reasons are still true. I still do um, I love dealing with the, the podcast circle and the external communication circle that that kind of falls under that too. Uh, I love the people that are involved, and it's fun. I also do still think of the new folks that come along. and I think uh, more recently, I just um, I just really love hearing the thoughts. And the experiences of other people that are in the project, I think it's, I th- I think, mm, I feel, um, it's not stingy. I just I feel like I'm holding it to myself. the The friendships that I have, and I, and I, you know, like you and I have talked a lot about a lot of things, and some of them have been very uh, general topics, and even though they're very long, they're also very like. Just normal things to talk about, and then there's also been some very personal conversations, and I've shared with you, you know, um, very personal moments or things that have happened in my life, and I, I, I just I have a lot of, um, I've built relationships that are quite significant, I think, over the years uh, with EPP, and I want people to to get to meet y'all. I think, um, I think it's, I mean, a lot of people know who you are. Like, it's not like you're just my friend and, you know, few people know you. Like, a lot of people do know already know who you are. And I just want more people to know you. And I wanted, you know, last episode, I wanted people to hear Becky's story and what it's like to be um, the wife of someone who is incarcerated and who's about to get out and all of the joy and terror that exists within that. And all the obstacles and all the celebration. I want people to hear that story and... Um, I want people to meet uh, Cynthia and hear her, hear her version of what it's like to be a guide going into prison and teaching and what it's like to teach here in this prison versus there in that prison. And I want people to hear Troy's story of, you know, going back into prison for the first time and what that was like. And that was a before and after we talked before we went into prison. And we talked the night after we got out of prison. Um, and, I can, this is episode 34. I can tell you in order all 33 episodes before it. And they mean the world to me. And I think, I just think that it's worth sharing all the people that I get to experience in EPP specifically, but also just in life in general. And I think um, this is not a permanent, like lifetime commitment for me. I'm not doing this forever. And I, I really hope that another ambassador hopefully, or maybe someone else within the project comes along and takes over, you know, somewhere in the future. I don't, I don't know like how f- far into the future. Um I, I just think it's worth sharing. My life is pretty neat sometimes. And it's, it's hard and painful and miserable a lot. And, but also there are, the, there are these, there are these spikes of joy and like, how fucking cool. Like, I, I, like how cool is it that, I get to know people that are just amazing and who I can ask a question to and they can just speak words that I can't and that nobody else has. And I think that's cool. And so my, my reason for doing the podcast is to just share the the things that give me a, a little slice of happiness. And I, you know, I don't particularly care how many people download it. Um, I'm not really geared towards trying to grow. Like if it's thousands, I want tens of thousands. If it's hundreds of thousands, I want millions. I'm not, that ain't me. Like if three people download it, I just want those three people to have their life improved a little bit that day. And I think so far that's happening. So I believe in, I believe in it. I find that it's good and worth it and I have the time and energy to do it. And those, those are true today. They'll be true next month. They'll be true for a while, but at some point they won't be in. And I won't have an answer for that. Maybe somebody, the next person can answer that question for you, but that's the answer for me for now.
1: Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I think I just have one last question, and that is, I want you to ask me a question, most absurd one you can think of.
0: Oh, oh, that's dangerous. Um, well, let's see. The most absurd question I can.
1: think. Or just whatever comes to mind. It's also you, fine.
0: Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm reaching. I'm digging. I got like three or four already, and I'm, I'm just, I'm seeing if anything else. The most absurd question I can ask you. Um. Hmm. I really, I really feel there's a lot of pressure on me right now.
1: Good thing you can edit it all out.
0: It's probably gonna. It's see. This is the bummer. Like I probably would, but then that was kind of funny, and I want people to hear that because that's part, in my opinion, that's part of. Like, I want people to feel like they're sitting <laughs> Just at the, at hand the table right now. <laughs> I know it's so. This is when you know I give a shit. Like that's where it turns into something. Uh. Um. Yeah. <laughs> Does it have to be a question I've never asked anyone?
3: And
1: I'm yes because I, yeah. of the way that you said that question. Okay.
0: Well, I have a question that I that I often ask. That's very absurd. And <laughs> well, then you can ask too. Yeah. Well, I'll ask that one first. Okay. Um, it's not funny, absurd. It's just absurd. That counts. And um, so the idea of of you know taking the Enneagram inside and working with folks who are incarcerated. You know, it's really easy for a lot of people to connect the dots on why we do that. Because when they come out, you know, like Suzanne said on episode seven, um, the second half. Oh, I might've fucked that up. The first half is on episode. I know I do the hand signals thing. It's, it's, I don't know why I do that, but I do it. Um, But as she said, like those people, that's going to be my neighbor one day. And I want my neighbors to be ready and prepared and worth it and all that stuff. She, I'm, those are all my words, by the way. She's, I'm paraphrasing what she said much better in episode seven. So, But the absurd question is, now I'm self-conscious. I'm thinking Talladega Nights with Will Ferrell. I don't know what to do with my hands. <laughs> um, for people who don't get out, like there are people who are lifers. In California, they call them LWAP, Life Without Parole. They're never getting out. There's no parole date. There's no parole hearing. And I do believe that there are people who wonder, "What are you doing? Why do you care? Why? I wait You know?" And the question probably is something along the lines of, "Why waste your time? They're never getting out. Why would you? Why would you waste
2: your time going in to speak with people who are going to be locked up for the rest of their
1: lives?" to me it's such a ludicrous question like does your life not count if it's in a particular location I mean the work that we do is about and to me modeling and guiding people into how to actually love yourself and have a relationship with yourself that's positive that isn't you beating yourself down um, or self-destructing in any number of inner or outer ways so how is that dependent on where a person is? Um, I think that's as important for me as it would be for someone on the inside to learn those skills and every life matters. I mean, I don't know I could go on. I, I think people that ask that question or maybe think that way, it's because you need to be like a contribution to society or something like that.
0: The phrase is "productive member." A lot, a lot of times, they say that "productive member of society."
1: Productive member of society. Mm. I mean, I know a lot of people that would probably technically fit in that description who are not productive members of society (laughs) whatsoever. You know, they're consume, they, we, I consumers and um, are net negative on on the whole fabric of community. Community starts with one, like your community with yourself. So I think, you know, society could be understood as one person at a time.
0: I will, I will, I will, I guess that checks the box of absurd since you started with, to me, it's just such a ludicrous question.
1: Okay, I go with that.
0: <laughs> and and the visible dis, uh, dismissing of it being a legit question. Okay, so the most absurd question that I can think of is... I can't, I'm, you've stumped me actually, and I'm, I'm going to stay with it and there will be something, but I, as someone who prides myself on not asking stupid questions, um, in fact, another podcast that I do, it's not EPP related. I openly mock people who ask silly questions and I think it's a great weakness to, to do the How's the weather, you know, this, that, and that. like those kinds of, how's it going?
1: <laughs> stalling.
0: No, I'm just, oh, I'm still thinking. No, I'm definitely <laughs> thinking. I'm not, I'm not stalling. I just don't have anything yet. I'm trying, I'm think. I have, there's something there with the Enneagram. And I'm trying to think of something that hasn't been asked before. And I know that like, if there was a 10th, you know, what would it be? Like, that's an absurd question. But you've probably answered that before too, right?
1: I've never heard that one before. Really? Mm-mm.
0: Well, then we'll we'll go with that. If there was a, if there was a, currently there are nine, and there always has been. There, as far as the enneagram goes, that's what enneagram means nine. There's nine types. But if there was more than nine types, what what would it what would it or what would they be? I'm asking you to completely fabricate a new type. On the Enneagram. (laughs) (laughs) I won't say what that was. You can if you want.
1: (laughs) We'll lose our sponsors, damn it. (laughs) Uh, um, mm, A 10th Enneagram type.
2: Yeah. What's the type that nobody knows about? I'm just glad that the answer is going to be as tough as coming up with the question.
1: What would a 10th Enneagram type be? Like, I can't think of anything funny or actually <laughs> thought provoking. Neither one. Nothing. Nothing.
0: Well, Myers Briggs has 16, right?
1: Mm hmm. Um, I guess it would be what would that make it? The Deca type? The 10th type?
0: Yeah, the decagram.
1: The decagram? Yeah,
0: type 10.
1: Mm.
2: Wait, is, is it deca? Does it go from ennea to deca? I'm only
1: saying that because of decathlon yeah. is what came to mind. I mean, I know that means 10, but I don't know if that's the way you would say it. 10-sided figure. And what center of intelligence would the tenth type be? And that's what I'm really wanting oh, to a, know. Oh, that's
0: a that's a that's a fun one. No, a decagram
2: is ten grams.
1: <laughs> mm. I feel like uh, instead of like kilogram.
2: Yeah. And yeah. I feel like all the centers are full.
1: You know what? No, I don't need to do that. I was gonna look at the Kabbalah because,
0: oh, they do the. Isn't there a tenth?
1: I mm, I shouldn't remember, but I don't.
2: I guess the tenth type
1: would be the culmination of all the types, and it would be its own center of intelligence, which is like the center of the enneagram. So it would be like a dot. In the middle of the figure, and
2: enneagram type ten. He called the dot.
1: The dot, the Dominator. I don't know.
0: It is decagram, by the way.
1: Isn't okay. Okay, so I think it would be I think it would be enneagram type ten. I think it would have its own center of intelligence, which would be separate from all the others, like one center to rule them all. I don't know, and it would be a culmination of of all the types, and it's the type that is like the know it all type that understands the meaning behind each of them, and so its essential qualities would be.
0: I thought five was the know it all type.
1: Well kind of this is a different way this is like the they
0: actually know-it-all <laughs> instead, <of,
1: laughs> instead of just thinking one that's they know not it all. a poser no i'm just kidding um <laughs> the essential qualities would be let's see intuition and mm, what's that word for when you can see behind everything um
0: well i'm simple so i think x-ray vision <laughs>
1: Okay, essential quality number two is x-ray vision, <laughs> and um I'm losing another word. the one where you can like coalesce everything together. Oh, combine gosh. alchemy, kind yeah. of
0: coalesce I don't know
1: alchemy, yeah, and we can call type ten the the magician, I don't know.
0: The the magician actually sounds kind of neat. Mm
1: -hmm. We can cut that whole part out.
0: (laughs) The torture that I went through and thinking of a question that is absurd.
1: The torture your listeners will go through either listening to your process or my process answering the question. might be interesting to three of them. I don't know.
0: Every podcast app in existence has a skip 15 seconds forward, 15 seconds back, or 30 or 10 or some variation of that. Mm -hmm. So maybe they just skipped all that. Maybe they stopped listening 30 minutes ago and here you are at the end of the episode <laughs> or maybe not. Maybe they rewinded it, listened to it a bazillion times. That's not a metric that I have. I can see who downloads and not who I can see how many, like the number I can see, like the different countries that are represented. It's actually quite a lot. It's pretty neat. And anyways,
1: tell us more about the metrics clay.
0: Um, I, those are all under locking key. I've, I've the, the, the the if I could say words, it would be funnier. The Illuminati has instructed me against <laughs> the against
1: sharing all the metrics. Yeah,
0: that's the tenth type, the magical Illuminati,
1: magician Illuminati. <laughs> uh, okay. I feel good here. How about you? Yeah, I'm sure we could talk about lots of other things, but there's already a lot of things, so we should just leave it. <sighs>
0: okay. Um, so at the conclusion of each episode, same, um, same thing with every guest we have, which I know you'll, you'll be happy to hear as a type four that you're going to do the same thing that everybody else has done. (laughs) I do do like hand signals a lot. I don't know why I only do that here. I do it. I don't know. Anyways. Um, it's actually not a question. It's you just, you have the final word, the final thought, the final, whatever, and there's no time limit so whatever's on your mind um you will have the last word uh before that i would like to say thank you i really felt um i felt the reservations at the beginning and we did this uh tonight instead of tomorrow because let's just do it and the 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 it's always okay to say no and you didn't and i appreciate it um it's, it's, it's nice to just sit and chat. I really think that, um, you have a lot to offer to folks and I'm glad that you sat with me for a couple hours and shared yourself and it means a lot to me. I suspect it will mean a lot to those who hear this. So thank you. Um, and with that said, I, I have nothing else to ask or say, and I'll just turn it over to you for however long you feel like talking. What's on your mind. You have the final words.
1: I want to trust that the more I share about myself, who I really am, what's really going on with me, what I really think, feel, and sense, the better it is for me and everyone around me. So I appreciate the opportunity to do that. And
2: I connected with myself
1: doing this. And I'm just aware of how precious that is. And especially if it inspires anybody else to do the same. Actually, no, what? Fuck that. No, it's just for me. So thank you.
0: EPP is on a mission to understand why we do what we do using the Enneagram to inspire transformation on both sides of the bars through self-awareness, self-regulation, and self-compassion. For more information about EPP, please visit EnneagramPrisonProject.org. We appreciate your time and attention today. Please stay tuned for future episodes of the podcast, which you can expect right here on the first Tuesday of every month as we continue to tell the story of the Enneagram Prison Project.